Hey everybody, this is Brendan Gersall and you are listening to the Speaking Of podcast. Today we are closing an eight-week journey about marriage through conversations with friends of ours. My wife Melanie and myself sat down and facilitated conversations all about marriage. It's been a lot of fun and this is our last conversation with my mentor and his wife, my mentor Kevin Myers and his wife Marsha. It was a real joy to sit down with them, talk about the book they wrote that we have been studying and it's just a great conversation about marriage, life. You're gonna really enjoy it. Here's our conversation with Kevin and Marsha Myers. Thank you so much, guys, yes, for taking the time, especially right on the heels of your your bout with the Rona. So this is my first. This is my first thing since Rona. We, we feel, feel special. Honored. We really do. You were the first yeah, thing right? I canceled, and the first thing <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing that's back. True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll take it. I feel bad about that, but yeah. Well, we've we've been journeying for the last eight weeks. We've had. Uh, we, we probably about a thousand people, somewhere around 500 wow. couples that have been walking with us on Sunday nights through, through your book. Mm-hmm. And so, That's awesome. yeah, it's been yes. really good and people have really enjoyed it. And so thank you, not just for jumping on with us as we wrap our, our study up, but mm-hmm. thanks for writing the book. Yes. We, it was so good. We really yeah. loved it. Was it. it was fun. Yeah, it, it challenges your marriage writing the book <laughs> just a little bit. I, imagine I bet. It does. We're going to, we're going to. We're gonna it's ask funny you. how some one remembers something one way and one remembers yes. it a different way. You Isn't know, that funny like, how that happens. I can't write that. That's not what happens. Right. So I would write something. <laughs> That's not what happened. Uh, yeah. Revisionist history. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Although it wasn't, I, I mean, want to keep you in that. Well, we got through it. Well, before we jump into the book stuff, we, we feel like we got to know you a little bit in like as we've been journeying and reading your book. Obviously, you shared a lot of details about your lives, mm-hmm. but we had some questions that we thought might be helpful for our, our people to get to know who you guys are, maybe us to mm-hmm. get to know a little bit more. So we have some like just just potpourri marriage related questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, uh, we're going to fire your way. So <laughs> so question number one. All right. Here we go. Go for pre-marriage. it. Pre-marriage. Before you were married. Pre-marriage. Who was interested in who first? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's really good. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to cause They're going to have different here. answers. <laughs> hey, first of all, we probably have different answers. Because yes. <laughs> the greatest difficulty is um, timeline. When you have to go mm-hmm. back 40 years, <laughs> trying to agree on timeline. Right. So... Um, but I'm going to say, if I can jump in, I'm going to say I was most interested first and she required chasing. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm yes. going to say. But you can tell um, the story the- if, if you yeah. want. Okay. I think the first <laughs> time I met him, the first time I knew who he was, because it was a small school. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of contact between people. It's not like you see him once and then you never see him again. But the first time I remember, we were actually uh, going roller skating. It was like a whole college night event. Uh-huh. event. Yes. And um, I was behind him in line. And I remember <laughs> him being just super loud and obnoxious and flirty <laughs> with all anybody oh, who no. was in his sphere, you know, Never. we don't have to go there. Kind of brought his own climate kind of thing. And, um, I was behind him in line and I was just watching and, um, I didn't know him. And so I thought, Oh, he's kind of cute. Yes. 
but he's too obnoxious. I could never, <laughs> never have anything to do with him. <laughs> and then she ended up, a friend took her to the church where I was doing uh, ministry at a college level. And I was the Sunday school teacher. And for you the were, college ministry. For college ministry. Yeah. And you were a little more drawn. Yes. So my, weirdly, this is a very small church, but my friend and I decided to go to this church one Sunday at the beginning. And um, he was when I saw him, I was like, oh, wait, that's that guy from the line. He's the you obnoxious know? guy. And He's not that <laughs> obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he was my son's Sunday school teacher. And I thought, well, you know, he's not so bad because he had some really depth to him. So my heart softened a little bit right then. Oh, uh, I think I was attracted. I had to read scripture. Brent, I don't know if you've ever done this. I had to read scripture that morning after Sunday school at this little church of 50. And when I got up there, I don't know how I got through Sunday school class. I don't know how, but I, when I got on stage, and I looked down at her. I started reading the scripture and it was rivers of living water. And I read rivers of living water. And I looked at her and I went, rivers, 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 rivers. And I shut the Bible. I Elmer fudded the thing and sat down. Oh, and so no. anyhow, I started chasing sometime after that. Yeah. There you go. Twitter pated. So. She <laughs> fell in love with you anyway. <laughs> right? Maybe God let her see all the, the, the dumb and negative, not all of it, but first, so that she would have a toleration. Right. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Built up, built up immunity. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Yes. So who wins, who wins, who starts and who wins the most arguments? That's, that's our uh, next question. I would say that Kevin definitely wins most arguments yes starts them i think we kind of have a good balance between the two of us and let's i mean over probably the last 10 years we've hardly ever argued that's the truth but when we talk about arguing and overall i would say that that's the case that you tend to win and i and you we both kind of (laughs) share our Hmm. marcia i i I have argued with Kevin once and <laughs> right. And, uh, I, I can yes. only imagine the, exactly. I think that I think my debate years in high school helped in wiring. However, um, if you've read any of the book, you know, there's no such thing as one winning yep. mm-hmm. and we eventually got to that. And so mm-hmm. I concede um, early. Yes. So that yeah. I can stay married. Right. <laughs> and I have to get a little tough in there and just say, I don't care, you know, what you, your reasons are. I know I'm right and I'm sticking with it. You yes. know, I have to just dig my heels in somehow. Yes. Well, we actually had in our notes, trick question, we win arguments, mm-hmm. right? As per, as oh, per the book. As per nice. the book. Good job. Yeah, no, yes. both hands right. up, right? So um, Next a couple question. more. Let's do a couple Who's more. Who's the better cook? Yeah, definitely. That was I'm easy. not even in the running. Yeah. He makes, he makes good um, eggs. <laughs> that's that's, that's about it. That is, that is true. That is true. <laughs> Whenever there's a need for a meal, he's like, oh, do we have any eggs? Yeah. And so, yes. Yeah, if it's on me, do we have any eggs or Uber? That's so, true. Yeah. Uber that's eats. True. <laughs> that's, that's me too. Your eggs sure. and French toast. French toast. Yeah. The kids, yeah. Oh, the kids know if mom's working, mm-hmm. dad's, dad's cooking French toast. That's yeah. pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Or See, everybody's got to have a go-to. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
My, do you put cinnamon on your French toast? Yeah, or uh, icing sugar. sugar, like the powdered sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some yeah. Ma- some maple syrup. I make mean French toast. Yeah, and the kids I love it because it's do. coated with sugar. Yeah. See, <laughs> I'm getting He's eggs into them. I'm getting eggs into them, though. Protein. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, yeah. See, you and I together could do a a, a great breakfast. Yeah. Brand. I think we're <laughs> gonna have to. I think we're gonna have to. Whose family's crazier? Oh, <laughs> do you there's want no doubt, but I'll let publicly? her. I'll let her point the finger. Uh, <laughs> oh, there is no doubt. This isn't even a competition. Right. Wait, are they gonna hear this? Yeah, I don't care if my family right. hears this. Oh, Y'all okay, are crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Next question, let, are we going to ask them some more? Let's jump in. Let's jump into some of the questions about the book. And the biggest question I wanted to start off with is obviously it's no small undertaking to write a book and then especially to do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, you guys had to have a burden for this at some level to make you want to pay the price to do it. Like it's it's really it's something that obviously is there was a burden on you. What was it that, that went into, you know, as pastors of a church, like what, what preceded wanting to write this book? What, what made it feel like this is something God would have you do? I'll jump in and then you can uh, color commentary. The most intimate and meaningful relationship in life, apart from with your heavenly father is marriage. And it equally proves to be the most disappointing. If you're honest about it, you go through waves or seasons where what was supposed to be this amazing companionship uh, leaves you feeling alone. Where this person was supposed to be for you, they feel oftentimes like they're against you. They're your enemy. And then you learn how to fake it. And now you're raising children if if God gives you kids and yet that relationship of marriage is what forms kids. Mm. So in our opinion on earth, the center of your relationship life is your marriage and life doesn't get better than that. If you can't develop that and we're watching so many people we love and care about continually lose in their marriage, the unhappy marriages seem to be exponential. Yep. through the years, not getting better, getting worse. And so God really put it on us um, to take uh, these decades and see if we can take the things he put in us that we have drawn from the scripture and experience and really many others and put it in an accessible way. So we didn't want a high theory book, but we didn't want practice without principles. Mm-hmm. So we tried to come to a, a, a picture that God can do amazing things in restoring an unhappy marriage to happy if you'll invest in it. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you don't, there is no better win on the other side. You can't dump a marriage, be better off and go get another one. Mm -hmm. You'll take all your baggage with you. Mm -hmm. So you need this breakthrough. Um, Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we as a couple are tend to be more private Mm -hmm. and especially obviously we can't be super private because we're pastors, but, um, and kept a lot of, a lot, like we did a lot of things ahead and we tried things out and we figured things out 
and then we have this whole base of of things that we knew worked at least for us yeah and i think um it came then down to a point of well you know we should help other people with this mm -hmm. you know this this could help people it may not but we hopefully it will and you know that's what we're all about is trying to help people so. yeah well it's it was helpful for us it was, for yeah. sure so it was really really good i mean the timing the timing though mm -hmm. of <laughs> yeah. you guys releasing this book was pretty impeccable you know and I, mean, I know even in our local church like COVID's been hard on everybody, but specifically mm -hmm. families mm -hmm. and marriages right. have taken the brunt, mm -hmm. you know, and it's really revealed, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. weakness and cracks in relationships. And yeah. how have you guys seen COVID sort of hitting, you know, not just your, your relationship, but others, you know, that you pastor? Well, the, the first thing is it's interesting that we actually decided to, to do the book like two years ago, which was before COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like we had to have it done right when COVID started was about when we had to have it finished. Mm -hmm. So it was really kind of a God thing that, you know, it was all completed and, and came around just in time for people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we wrote the book, guys. <laughs> we write the book. COVID begins and we have to spend the year practicing what we wrote before the book yeah, comes out. Sure. <laughs> Make sure you can stand in it. Which was a bit challenging. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we we have watched COVID um take great marriages yeah. and reduce them to only good. Yep. Mm -hmm. And good marriages mm -hmm. and reduce them to unhappy. Yep. And unhappy marriages to miserable. Yes. Mm -hmm. And miserable marriages to want to quit. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we have watched it almost everybody descend in some way during COVID mm -hmm. because it pushed you together and it took all of your normal routine that is kind of pressure releasing and lets you breathe and then return. Yep. And mm -hmm. it forces you into almost this absurd togetherness that I'm not even sure is healthy anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So For what sure. advice or encouragement would you give to couples that are experiencing such high pressure right now in lockdowns and whatnot? What advice would you have for these couples? Uh, you, you have to know how to measure a moment and not make foolish decisions mm. under the pressure of a moment. Right. So this is a season of time when society wisely or unwisely has compressed and pushed you together in an unhealthy way mm -hmm. no matter how healthy you are you can't remove the weight of those circumstances so don't conclude that what is declining defines you hmm. it, it it does not mm -hmm. the frustration and the unhappiness uh, is going to cause you to push against that other person. Right. And you have to know this. You got to, between the ears, you got to understand you've been put in a unique circumstance. It's not as bad as you think, and your relationship is not as undone as you think. But if you start treating it as if it is, you will create it, reinforce it, and right. tumble down the stairs. Yeah. So, Melanie, I think a lot of people have succumbed to the temporary circumstances and they're making permanent scars mm -hmm. in temporary circumstances and that is horrendously dangerous yeah yeah, yeah it's Great. huge mm -hmm. 
with uh, with writing the book together, you know, that's I mean, you and I were arguing about the music that was playing in my office before we even jumped on this call. So (laughs) I can only thank you for taking a moment to just be vulnerable and honest with us. We've been vulnerable. We we have indeed. So there's yeah, there's we've popped the hood on our on our relationship for all to see. So it's (laughs) at times anyway. So. But what, how, uh, how was that? Like, how was it to work together on a book? What, uh, what did you learn about your relationship, about each other? Um, well, we, do you want to talk about the, what, how we work together? Yeah. In all ways? <laughs> um, when we first got married, we, uh, he was, uh, like a assistant pastor and because we needed a little extra cash, they hired me as the secretary. They don't call them secretaries anymore, but, and, um, so I was secretary to him and pastor Wayne, who was a senior pastor. And one, one day he came into my office and told me that he wanted me to make phone calls to, he said he had a big project <laughs> he needed answers for all these people. And I was like, well, you know, I don't like to make phone calls. And he's like, yeah, well, you are the, the pastor secretary You're my secretary. You need to do what I ask. I was like, no. Oh, I am not. I'm your wife. You know, I don't like to make phone calls and I'm not making these phone calls. So we got in a big, almost a whisper fight because you can't get too loud because you got other people around, you know, but ever since then, we've decided that we couldn't work together. So this book represents us working together. That's cool. And um, we have come a long way. That's all I have to say. And I think we did a great job. We, what we've learned over the years, like that was way at the beginning of our marriage, but what we've learned is the things that he's good at and the things that I'm good at. Mm. And so instead of trying to do the things that he's good at, when he actually knows that whatever I, you know, it's not going to work. He gives me the space to do what I'm good at. And I give him the space to do what he's good at. That's a pretty fair summary how the book got written. And so I would, I would uh, write first in the book. Well, first of all, we had long conversations to get right. to the principles and it just took right. months, but then I would start the writing and then I would hand it to her and say, is that accurate? Mm-hmm. I, I, I learned back at this moment. I don't tell her what to do. She is not a person <laughs> who likes to be told what to do. She likes to be asked and invited, Absolutely. but she does not prefer to it's be very told. True. Right. I don't prefer to be told. So a level of respect had to go up. We're partners. And uh, so I would say, this is how I remember it. How do you remember it? And her, all the parts in the book where she speaks, she wrote. Mm-hmm. Right. So this isn't me speaking for her and all the parts where I speak, I wrote. Mm-hmm. And then all the principles have been sifted in conversation and it would have times of pulling us together and pushing us apart, pulling us together. But overall, it was a really cool experience, better than I thought. I thought it, I thought the work of it would undo the joy of it, and it did not. It, oh, it, oh, it brought us awesome. together. That yep. is cool. So Absolutely. I'm just going to take a little personal liberty here and ask Marsha a question. So sure. you would say that you're an introvert in the book. Um, yes. So how do you find that working together, uh, doing life together, partnering together with you as more of an introvert and just different personalities? 
How have you navigated that? Why are you asking that question? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Just ask. Brent, do you for see a, a purpose in that here. question? Yeah. It's out of left field. <laughs> but here's what I noticed, Brent. You immediately interrupted, took over, yes. stepped in. I joined yes. you. Yes. We're not talking anymore. Yeah, Hence, the introverts are not talking. Yeah, Interesting. Hey, Brent, why don't happened. you get your phone? Yeah. Why don't you get your phone? Call me. You now have a side yeah, conversation we'll while they yeah. chat about this. No, that's, that's, I would actually like to hear this, too. I will say that it's been an adjustment over the years, definitely. Um I've gotten to be a little bit more extroverted. I've never would ever say I'm an extrovert. It's still there and it's dominant, but I've, we've learned to kind of, he's learned to, you know, lessen his extroversion and I've learned to step up a little bit more. Um, I can remember all kinds of like fears, um, especially at the beginning, wanting to be away from everybody just looking at me even or talking to me or me trying to slowly, you know, get out of like, when I'm saying this, I mean, like at church, you know, mm -hmm. how at the end of the day yes. and stuff. So I, <laughs> yes. am, you know, I try really hard not to let that take control. Mm -hmm. um, and over the years, I've learned to just like, take a breath, it's going to be okay. Um, working with him, I, I don't know. Sometimes I hide behind him, to be honest, like, and if I, if I don't really want to be out front, but then also I realized that it was kind of taking away who I was. Hmm. Um, people would look to him and talk to him and I would just be standing there. And, and so I, I'm giving up my own personhood by not hmm. doing anything and by being kind of behind the scenes. So I decided that I would just be who I was, which isn't overly um outgoing but also you know it's i'm also not just a nothing mm -hmm. and so i kind of learned the balance between those two things if that right. makes yeah. any sense yes. i don't know yeah that yeah, does yeah it makes perfect sense sounds very me. yeah i mean it's, it's this has been a even just us doing this together has been an awesome step you know mm -hmm. you guys wrote the book together as a, as a step of progress and for us you know facilitating mm -hmm. this has been really cool and I think people have been shocked, you know, and I feel a little that bit. That I'm speaking. Uh, yeah, I feel a little, honestly, a little, a little <laughs> bit guilty in that, like, exactly what you're yeah. saying. I hope that my covering of you doesn't cover you in right. such a way that it, you know, yeah. takes away from your personhood. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's. Yeah, and that's I, I, I wouldn't blame it all on, on Kevin, or I wouldn't blame it all on you, Brent. I think mm -hmm. that uh, we have to come to grips with the fact that we're a person mm -hmm. and we have ideas and thoughts and they may not be exactly like your spouses, but, um, they add, yeah. you know, they right. add a dimension that you can't, he can't do by himself. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And honestly, in that, uh, I had as much to learn as her just because I'm extrovert is not permission to keep talking. <laughs> right. So <laughs> my, um, learning how to shut up, and learning how to listen it has been an art mm. and a discipline. Mm -hmm. And the longer I shut up, the more she speaks. And uh, that creates a, a different bond. And that impacts us as a couple, as a family. Yep. When we're in places, I don't feel like she needs to be like me. I don't get uncomfortable. 
I'm okay with silence. Mm -hmm. uh, some of those things were on my side, Melanie, at the table mm -hmm. uh, as we figured out how to be who is our mutual best and together yeah. best. Right. It's yeah. super helpful. Mm -hmm. You guys talked about like the big idea of the book, even behind the second happy is, you know, you actually lay out this framework of the ABCs and the Q zones. Yeah. And specifically uh, one of our favorite quotes, you know, you say that when the A zone wishes hit B zone walls, the easiest thing to do is to go to the Q zone. Mm -hmm. And you know, what are, I know there are a lot of marriages that are really entertaining that thought of quit. Yes. Um, especially now, as we've just already, already alluded to in COVID, what are some of maybe the underlying lies or thought patterns that will take us down those road? You know, you'd, you'd mentioned earlier when we were talking about COVID and everyone's marriage kind of maybe even being revealed to go down a notch. What are some of the, maybe the thought patterns that we rehearse that maybe make quitting seem like the best option that we could undo for people or you could undo for people? Um, some, I, I don't even remember if this is in the book, but the number one reason for uh, disappointment is unmet expectations. Mm. And if you're going to be in relationship, the other person is going to disappoint you, period. And it will happen in many ways. And so the thinking pattern, to use your point, Brent, is when she disappoints me, I feel permission to quit on little things. Hmm. But I'm disappointing her, so she quits on little things. And when you quit on little things, you're eventually quitting on medium things. Right. And you're eventually quitting on big things. Mm -hmm. And you're eventually quitting the whole. Rarely does that happen in a weekend. Right. That happens over a journey. Mm. And so people's thinking over COVID is not that I'm quitting. What they're thinking is you're a disappointment and you're difficult and I expected more of you. And you quit doing this, so I'll quit doing that. And they don't think of that as quitting, but that is Q zoning. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the A zone wish hits that B zone wall of disappointment in the other person. And you're mutually quitting in little ways before you ever quit in big ways. Mm -hmm. But that's also how you rebuild it. Right. Mm -hmm. it. So the secret to rebuilding is you rebuild it in little ways and pretty soon you're rebuilding it in medium ways and pretty soon you're restoring big things. Mm. Right. So it's not as complicated as we want it to be, but it is as difficult and demanding as right. we wrote. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's huge. And you guys mm -hmm. start to break down again, the practices that help us build into those, those better marriages. Mm -hmm. um, one of our favorite chapters was was the prayer mm -hmm. chapter about getting your hands up mm -hmm. uh we the favorite quote that we'd, we'd taken from there is was just about um there will never be enough marriage books counseling sessions good conversations personality profiles love languages or gripe sessions with friends to compensate for a prayerless marriage mm -hmm. yeah. and uh we just for thought sure. that hit so Loved hard one, yeah. um we'd actually challenged our people who have been joining us on this journey to to do a seven day pray with your spouse just for seven out days out loud mm -hmm. together out loud. and That's we great. were we were really um we weren't shocked because we 
you know, we, we were even honest that, with yeah. like, that's been yeah. something that we've had a hard time doing. Like even back to the introvert extrovert thing, it just turns into me praying and mm-hmm. yeah. that I'm being more pastor than I am husband at this yeah. point. And, mm-hmm. but I think it was freeing for a lot of our people to hear like, Hey, this is hard for Everyone all of us. Struggles with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess what, what, one of the things we would ask is like, do you have any practical advice mm-hmm. or tips for marriages, especially people maybe who are new in their faith? Um, or maybe for us, I think it's even harder mm. when you yeah. aren't new in your faith and you've been sleeping on that for yeah. 10 years and there's so much water under the bridge, you don't feel you can start. What advice, what encouragement would you give people on this area of prayer in your marriage? How, how have you guys fostered that over the years? I mean, I think that start small, you know, Mm -hmm. even if it's, we've talked about that too, even if it's only a couple of sentences, but you're consistent about it, Mm -hmm. um, it, it Mm -hmm. pays off. Mm -hmm. And also for me, um, you're the only one, uh, Melanie, that knows him well enough to be able to pray for certain things. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only one who knows Kevin well enough for, I mean, there are things he can't share. And there are things that in all people's marriages that they can't just, well, you know, give this prayer request, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. And um, otherwise they're not being prayed for. And so that always motivates me because I think, well, if I don't do it, who's going to? Right. Oh, that's good. That's good. (laughs) Something that to maybe add is if this could sound uh, unkind, but I'm going to risk it. <laughs> when I'm out, most out of shape, I hate being around fit people. Hmm. I don't want to go to the workout club because when I go there, I feel my fatness. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, 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 they, other people expose me. Now I'm going to make a point here. The moment you start praying, you feel exposed internally, whether your spouse can see it or not. Right. You're coming before the living God who knows you, and you can stay distracted until you pray. And the moment you utter his name, Heavenly Father, it stills your soul. Yep. Mm there is a soul nakedness that occurs that we all want to escape Mm -hmm. because we're aware of our spiritual fatness. We're Mm -hmm. aware of where we're not in life. And even taking a couple minutes to pray, you know what you're not doing in your marriage. You know what you're not doing in your life. And it's easier to just stay distracted. So I find it very vulnerable when I pray with her or for her because she knows everything. I live there in the church. I can do a pastoral prayer and I can have a little distance in marriage. I can't. It's incredibly surprisingly awkward and vulnerable. So if you say, well, give people something practical. Well, Marsha just did, but here's this quit thinking about it. Just do it. Don't evaluate it. Don't Mm -hmm. think about it. Just do it. Like this is the one thing you should quit thinking about. Mm -hmm. Just grab her hand. Okay, Lord, thanks for this day. Thanks for covering over us, providing for our family. Uh, I know tomorrow, or I might stop anything I need to pray about for you, honey. If if it feels like it's superficial, fine. Mm -hmm. 
navigate superficial as long as you need to. If it's weeks or months, cycle in it. Who cares? Come before God. You, you praying is not what's powerful. Yeah. That you're engaging God is what's powerful and God engages you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you're engaging God in your marriage and in your family. It's powerful, it releases him. And this is his invitation. So that's, that's such a, I just jotted a point now because I'm preaching on, uh, on, on prayer. And a lot of the time we treat prayer sim- similar to how we think about sex in that it's a reactive thing. It's like when mm-hmm. the occasion comes or the, the, the feeling arises, but like you're, you're saying, and this is what I've been thinking about is prayer is really something that's proactive that if you can just go there, it yep. actually can generate that intimacy that, that maybe you, you were all too aware you were lacking, you know, mm-hmm. bef- beforehand, but mm-hmm. it is, it's very similar. It's very similar. Even in the, you know, one of the s- comments that came in or we made, or one of our guests made was that it's actually easier for a lot of couples to, to be sexually intimate than it is to, mm-hmm. to pray together, mm-hmm. which is yes. speaking exactly to, it's because God just, your soul's bared immediately. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, it's, it's it, just, just do it. I mean, there's, there's no, <laughs> It's cold water, I guess, at some point, but you just got to no, jump in. This is, you just jump. And I was literally, when we taught the series recently, I was talking to a couple who's in their mid-30s and um, on staff and delightful people and committed to the Lord. And privately, he, he said, I have been practicing this now after all these conversations for a couple of years. He said, I still feel awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, right. And what do you do the moment you engage it? You dismiss awkward. Yeah. Just dismiss it. Who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I feel awkward. Dismiss it Push and through. just do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. You guys hit uh, the conflict, picking a fair fight. So we had, I, I want to know, like, <laughs> you guys broke it down. So, I mean, clearly. And I mean, 12, 12 rounds. Like, how, how involved, like, take us behind the curtain for a minute. Like, like, is there a whistle? Is there, like, how? I'm, and yeah. I want to know if you do the 12 rounds, or like, are you, do you still use that? Go the 12 rounds when you need to. Or eight, even. Or eight. Well, or ten. let me do, let me, let me just set it up and then you can give yeah. your opinions about it. This sounds as mechanical as it was written. Mm-hmm. We wrote this out in two or three pages in great detail, more almost more detailed than the book. And we mechanically walked through it that way, the way it's written in the book every time because we couldn't trust our habits or our emotions. Right. So it looks and sounds mechanical, because if you want to remove your stupid right. from undoing the resolving of conflict, you're going to have to use uh, things mechanically outside your emotions in order to engage your emotions. Mm-hmm. You need something like the ring yep. and the rules to put discipline on undisciplined emotions. And so it is as mechanical as it looks, and we did it that way for years. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know if you know. No, it's true. I mean, I would say at this point in our lives, we don't 
And we honestly, we rarely have a fight. And I think it is because of those rules and what we did during that season. Um, at the beginning, you know, it talks about round one. I, I am the first one to speak. And uh, that was hard for me because I'm kind of stubborn and I don't want to share my emotions and I don't want to talk. I, I would rather be passive aggressive than actually hit something. You know, that's my secret weapon kind of thing. Mm. And so forcing me to go first already has broken down a lot of the barriers because I'm having to talk. Right. And so even beginning it that way made it a lot easier and made it, uh, it just broke, it just made it easier. And I've already commented, I'm not good at listening. <laughs> well, uh, there's no way to listen fast. Yeah. And I do everything fast. And I want her to, yeah. can we get through get it? To, get to the point. I already know what you think. I already know what you think. So now let me help you. Cause right. I already got the answer. Right. But go ahead, get it off your chest. Whatever you gotta say. And so I was, I was loading the gun instead of listening. Mm-hmm. And it, is unbelievable how simply difficult it is to hear someone. So the art of communication, which is the first phase of first four rounds, first phase, is that you have to mutually agree that we are not merely here to be heard, but to hear. Gracious, that's never gonna change. So the fact that we don't walk through those 12 steps in order mechanically is because we have formed the habits. Just like you don't think about driving anymore. You don't think about turning on your turn signal. You don't take your foot off the gas, put it on the brake and like you, how you turn the wheel 10 and two or whatever you do, you have done it for so long. You drive naturally. And if you built good habits, you operate out of those naturally. Right. So the reason we don't fight anymore is because we know how to stop it before it ever becomes one. You guys have both processed through the communication stuff and then to compromise. You've negotiated compromise in your minds before it ever becomes an issue. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. I kind of almost do the fight in my head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to say that. And then yeah. I'm going to say that, yeah. but he does, would have a point here and blah, blah, blah yeah. until it finally comes out. You know, once in a while, there is something that like, I feel like it's legitimate or he feels like it's legitimate, mm-hmm. but very rare, rarely do those small fights that you're not even sure how you started the fight because it really didn't matter. Those kinds of fights don't happen. Yeah. And, it, and even the big ones, it's more like you see the other person's side and so you you don't really go after them. There's nothing to go after. You understand, and then you try to come to some kind of a compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if in your head and your heart, I think, well, I don't know exactly what she thinks. Mm-hmm. Until she tells me, I'm not going to make conclusions. Mm-hmm. And she sees things I don't see. Mm-hmm. And she has a different um, um, way of understanding life. And it usually makes me think better or see different. Yeah. And I got to gain that before I can even come to a conclusion. Right. So there's benefit right. in the exchange of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys talked about once you get to that place of compromise, if you get to a gridlock and you shared your, 
your story about your third child. That was that was eerily um, <laughs> similar to us. It was mm-hmm. very oh, like, really? just the yeah. same. Really? Yeah, yes. we. I wanted a third. You yeah, didn't. we were four years Five out years. of diapers. I remember. Yeah. I literally remember. <laughs> I I'd had the last like this is the last time I buy another box of this mm-hmm. money that I'm just <laughs> gonna get pooped on. Glory to like, God. Yeah, and then <laughs> oh, that's great. But it was the same I, thing. I, Assume you're ha- you had another we one. We did. Yeah, we have three. There's a five year gap between our older two, and then our youngest just had his sixth birthday yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, Aww. so yeah, but it was very similar. And mm-hmm. you guys hit. And I think it was my favorite chapter. You know, it's just because you hit the idea of submission and mm-hmm. the mutual voluntary submission, which is yes. something I'd heard you talk about even as a value at Twelve Stone. Um, you know what? I guess the big, the big question I want to ask you guys is like, because there be some people that are jumping on tonight that maybe didn't even track along with us or just on the live stream, you know, what is mutual voluntary submission and what is the key to being able to basically deny yourself for the benefit yeah. of the other person? I'll take a, I'll try and take a really big thought and um, tighten it up. Spiritually speaking, We believe in God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, one God and three persons. The essence of the Trinity is that there is a mutual submission one to another, and that defines love in the Trinity. Human beings were created out of that. Mm -hmm. So we were created from love for love. Then scripture defines the church as the expression of Christ's love for his bride, the church, us. And what did he do? He submitted, he surrendered to death on the cross to cover our sin. So if there are people listening right now who may not even be people of faith or may not have listened to any of the book or read any of it, but immediately as you hear it, you know it makes sense that love is not getting your way, but giving up. It's preferring the other person. So uh, Ephesians 4 or chapter 5, says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, meaning once you've surrendered to Christ, the expression of that authentic love with your creator will be expressed in your marriage. Well, I realize I I claim it with Christ, but I don't live it with my spouse. Mm -hmm. Something is clearly wrong. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to learn how to practice mutual, which means we both have to do it. Voluntary, which means I don't make her do it and she doesn't make me do it. Submission first to Christ and to one another. It's not really submission, though that's the biblical word. What it really is preferring the other, putting their interests ahead of yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the essence of mutual voluntary submission. So we call it oftentimes giving her the better half of the bagel. <laughs> so I don't even think that story is, is, is in this book, but we go work out together. We'd stop at Einstein bagel. Among the things we ordered included a cinnamon bagel with almond a schmear on the side. It's fantastic. If you guys never had anything like that, I don't even know <laughs> One if it's of my in favorite. Canada. What are bagels? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, go to Tim Hortons. I think they have bagels. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> uh, so whenever they would call our name, Myers, out of love, I would get up and go to the counter. <laughs> but I didn't like going to the counter because when I got there, I could look down at the bagel and they cut it in half, but never perfectly in half. Yes. Mm-hmm. One always has more cinnamon, more schmear, more delicious. Like, and I psychologically, I know one's better. 
<laughs> so between the counter and the table, I have this marriage conundrum. Oh. <laughs> I have to set half down for her. And I'm either going to take the better half of the bagel for me or give it to her. And it should not be traumatic, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> and every moment of marriage is a decision to give the other the better half of the bagel, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She had no idea that dilemma was going on until sometime years later when I said so and gave it as an illustration. And between us, that's an example of mutual voluntary submission. Mm -hmm. I have agreed to love her, her agreeing to love me. You have to practice it. Mm -hmm. That means the other one gets that. So if she had gone to the counter, she'd have to give me the better half the bagel. And I wish she would have had to go on the counter. But so the secret is make the other person go to the Pick counter. So yes. <laughs> Which is immediately violating that's mutual voluntary submission. Yeah. That, that, that's a good example. Well done, Brent. Well, that actually, <laughs> jokingly, that brings up a question, though, mm -hmm. we had. Yeah. What hope would you have for a spouse that has a non non-believing spouse who feels mm. like they're constantly going to have to submit to their non-believing spouse and they feel like they're going to lose to them all the time by doing yeah, that. If I give and I give and this person doesn't get that I'm doing this out of love for them and mm -hmm. glory to God, is that like, am I going to lose all the time? Like what encouragement would you give in this? Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I'll comment. And then when you, if you have a thought, throw interrupt, uh, First of all, let's call it what it is. It is an unbeliever with a believer. So if you're a believer, you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right. Not first out of reverence for them. That's good. So it is an expression of the love of Christ in you and through you. That's the first thing. So it has nothing to do with the other person. Mm-hmm. Wow. Secondly, Jesus said, love your enemies. So your spouse could be your enemy. And it's the same agape word wow. for love. So it's bigger than marriage. We're just applying it to marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, if you're a follower of Christ, nowhere in scripture, do you surrender your character or your safety or your identity or your dignity to love the other person. Mm -hmm. Submission to Christ is never the world's abuse of submission to another person. So loving that person is a self-sacrifice that puts their interests ahead of your own. If you violate scripture and the values of scripture and the teachings of Christ, you're no longer submitting to Christ. So many times people say, well, my unbelieving spouse wants me to live this way or do this. No, that's not what it is. And they say, aren't you supposed to submit to me? No, no. I submit to Christ and he, by the Holy Spirit in me, teaches me how to love you. Wow. But you are not my Lord mm. and I don't submit to you. I submit to Christ and I voluntarily love you. Wow. So you got to have really good parameters or else it becomes abusive yes. mm -hmm. or you forfeit your identity and your dignity and the clarity of Christ's teaching. And then the Holy Spirit through you can love them. And I would confess it can be miserable on many occasions mm -hmm. as a believer serving an unbeliever who gives little back. Mm 
That mm -hmm. is truly miserable. Mm -hmm. I also believe scripture says the Holy Spirit gives you strength equal to what you have to endure. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he would give you a strength that the rest of us don't need in the same way. That's good. But I don't know. Those are my... I thought that was well said. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, do I, too. Do. Yes. I do too. Yes. That was I like do. Sunday school back in the day at yeah, college, see? right? When you said <laughs> Sunday school and said, oh, you know, he's loud and obnoxious. But That's a good point smart. now and then. So. Yeah, every <laughs> once in a while. Not when I'm arguing with her, but occasionally when I'm talking like this. Right. So there, obviously in the time we have, I don't want to land the plane here, but um, I thought, let me, let me throw like a, a once and for all hypothetical question that's going to get to like the heart of if, you know, Kevin and Marsha could give marital advice and they had, you have one <laughs> shot. So here's, here's the question I, I conjured up that we'll, we'll end with. So there's a newlywed couple. They had no marriage counseling. They're full of a zone energy. They chose to be homesteaders in the Alaskan wilderness and they're boarding a plane to start their new lives and marriage and they will be cut off from all people and civilization and beyond watch out for bears. What is the one thing that you would say to them in an effort to make their marriage work? Was that too, too long of a question? <laughs> you, I'm forming okay, you it. Start? Okay. You start. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, <laughs> but in humility, prefer the other over yourself. Just like Christ did when he voluntarily left heaven, came to earth and took on a human body. <laughs> Jesus repeated that lesson a hundred times to his disciples. They were fighting over who's the greatest. And he said, serve one another at the end of his ministry they came together for dinner at the last supper and clearly the disciples hadn't learned the lesson yet <laughs> and so he washes all their feet instead of one of them taking the servant role this lesson is said a hundred different ways and it's always the same point if you cannot get beyond yourself you will never have meaningful companionship in life, mm -hmm. period. Wow. And I would say, um, put your other, your spouse's needs above your own and always look at things from their perspective as well and, and believe that they want the best for you. Hmm. I think we can sometimes, uh, you can spin anything in your head to, to make it feel like they're being selfish. Mm -hmm. um, and half the time, if not, way more than half the time they're not like it's not towards you it's more like that's who they are they don't realize that they're doing it so i would say always give your spouse the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. and then from there you know maybe it maybe that happens to be the time when they were being selfish or they were you know but most of the time i found that it's more um, like a miscommunication mm -hmm. than it is an actual attack on you. And if you can just, you know, put it in perspective before you even begin to co a conflict about it, then I think that, um, you know, you, you dissolve half of the, of the issues that are, you know, bothering you or yes. making your marriage difficult yeah. mm -hmm. and watch out for bears and watch out for bears. If you're in Alaska, <laughs> 
You never know. Pack so. a warm coat. Yeah, yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much yes, for taking you. the time with us and and writing the book. I mean, we've oh, been blessed yeah. by it. We so really good. have. We wondered mm-hmm. if you would bless the people here at King's Church in Atlanta, Canada. We got people. Uh, mostly King's Church people. We have people, some different churches that have been tuning in and stuff mm-hmm. around the region, some Nova Scotia. And mm-hmm. so uh, I wondered if you would pray for uh, just the people who have gone through this journey with us and just maybe yeah, pray a blessing absolutely. over their marriages as we finish Why don't you up. you start now? Sure. So, Father, we just thank you for this time we've had together and for all of the couples that um, Brent and, and Melanie are influencing up there in Canada and the fact that we can, we can through this form of communication, um, meet with them and feel like we're right there with them, Lord, and your Holy Spirit that, that moves in, in ways that we don't understand, but we know that uh, you're with us. Mm-hmm. And we just pray that you would do the same for those people who are part of this, this telecast and that we would, um, they would feel your spirit and they would feel the softening that you would give them in, mm-hmm. between each other and their spouse, Lord. We pray um, for the ministry there, Lord, that people would uh, change and be changed mm-hmm. by you, but also by the ministry of uh, the, mm-hmm. their church, Lord. So I just pray that you would bless them, that you would uh, just anoint each couple. Mm-hmm. And as they work through the issues and the chapters of the book, but also just the things that you have laid it in front of them, that they would feel your presence, that their marriage would grow, mm-hmm. that they would grow closer together as they grow closer to you, Lord, that there would be a unity mm-hmm. between them, that um, the things that were so great problems would shrink yes. to your in comparison to your size, Lord. And we just thank you for that. And we ask that in Jesus' name. So, Lord, now seal this over their lives. Encourage them and give them strength. Mm -hmm. There will be conversations that need to happen in the next few days or weeks. And I pray, God, that you would help them set aside their fears. And that you would give them that kind of strength and courage and willingness to risk, to pray for one another. Mm -hmm to get beyond quitting, to break through whatever pretense, Mm -hmm. to prefer the other and serve the other. Mm -hmm. May you strengthen marriages Mm -hmm. and may this be a testimony to your greatness and your mercy. Mm -hmm. Do such kind miracles over marriages, we pray in Christ's name. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. This is fun. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that conversation we had with Kevin Myers of 12 Stone and his wife, Marsha. It was a great time to talk about marriage, and just I found it so encouraging, and I hope you did too. We'll see you next time. Hey, do me a favor. Leave a kind review and share this for someone else. See you soon.